Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. The UFC is heading to Houston this weekend for an absolute banger of a pay-per-view. And we have a great show for exactly that pay-per-view card. First of all, we will obviously be breaking down that card as part of our Fights, Dogs, and Parlay section a little bit later on the show. But before we get to that... We, of course, are going to be talking with two fighters on the card. First, we'll be talking to UFC flyweight championship contender Caitlin Shokagian as she gets ready for Valentina Shevchenko. Plus, we'll be talking with Miles Johns as he gets ready for Mario Batista. But before we get to any of that great content, i got to remind you that this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast is brought to you by BattleClan. Visit BattleClanGear.com and use promo code TURTLEUP10. For 10% off your whole order there. Look, I personally love BattleClan's gear, not just because of the way it looks, and not just because of the way it feels, which is obviously very, very great, but I love them for what they stand for. This company was started by two guys who could not be more different. One of them's from California, one of them's from Brazil. They're from different cultures, they got different ideologies, they got different desires in life. They're, they're just different. But the sport of MMA brought them together. And if you train, you know exactly what that feeling is. You've had that feeling before. You're a part of a family with the people you train with, or a clan, if I can. And that's really the premise behind Battle Clan, that you want to rep the idea that the people you train with are your people. So you can do that by going to BattleClanGear.com. Make sure to use promo code TURTLEUP10 and get 10% off your entire order. Battle Clan produced this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Greenland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Caitlin Chokagian, who fights Valentina Shevchenko for the flyweight title at UFC 247 on February 8th. So, Caitlin, you know, you are one fight away from what a lot of people see as one of the ultimate goals in MMA. It's kind of that time where a lot of fighters are reflective about their career and the journey that brought them to this point. How, how do you look back at your path to getting this title shot? I I mean, it, it's kind of crazy. Like you said, you know, once you kind of get here, you you think of it like your whole path getting here because this is like obviously the goal for, for most fighters. I mean, for me, it definitely was when I, even before I had an amateur MMA fight, my goal is to be the best in the world. You know, I wasn't, I didn't just want to do it for fun. Um, you know, it is fun for me, but that wasn't the goal. And then even when I got to UFC, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's such a great accomplishment. I'm like, yeah, I, I guess, but that's not, my goal wasn't to just get into the UFC. My goal was, you know, to be the champion of the UFC. So it's just kind of like crazy how like, you know, since I started this, like my whole goal was to be a champion of the UFC and it's like wait everything kind of like worked out exactly how I you know how I planned it to be you know like went through my amateur fights went through my pro fights got to the UFC you know and now I'm here I kind of always had the goal to be the UFC champion by the time I was 30 and I just turned 31 in December but we're close enough so <laughs> I'll take it absolutely but, yeah it's it's crazy I, I just kind of started realizing like the past like over the past year, I'm like, wow, I'm like, I think I'm like almost can call myself a veteran. Like 
I, sometimes I, I don't know when that switch went from when I just, when I was my first UFC fight to now, and I've had like, you know, I think I've had like seven or eight UFC fights. I just, it's so weird. I feel like everything went so fast. I don't, I, you know, I don't really remember that switch. So just out of curiosity, you said you don't remember a switch to feeling like you're a veteran. Do, do you remember feeling like you weren't a veteran in particular fights? And if so, how recent did you feel that way? Um, Definitely. I mean, I think like, you know, my first loss was my second UFC fight, and I remember fighting uh, Liz Carmouche, and I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is crazy, you know. Like, I remember watching her fight for the title, you know. I think, like, maybe I had one amateur fight, or maybe I might have. It was around that time. I might have just started, like, I've trained martial arts my whole life, but just started, you know, on the journey of MMA. So I kind of, you know, felt like that was my second fight, and I was like, oh, she's been in the UFC forever. And I think that I gave her a little too much respect. And I think not just her, but other girls that, you know, had been in the UFC for a long time. But like, at the same time, I'm like, you know what? Like, I've been training my whole life, even though some of these girls have been in the UFC longer than me. Um, you know, I might've just got there. I was like, but I've been training longer than them. So like, you know, I think it's, that's where you kind of like learn from your losses and realize like, you know, it's most, it's all mental, you know, everyone, everyone in there is doing the same thing. You know, it's just the UFC's job to make it seem like a bigger deal than what it is. That makes sense to me. Now, you know, you mentioned the mental aspect of that, you know, there's no more of a mental aspect than going up against somebody like Valentina Shoshenko, who a lot of people have crowned as like the, the king of, or the queen of 125, with really, you know, a lot of people have said they don't think she has a lot of legitimate challengers. How, how do you deal with the mental aspect of hearing that repeatedly, you know, either in the media or from fans? Yeah, I mean, going into, you know, going into when I signed this fight, I was like kind of eager because I to to see how I would react to, you know, obviously I've seen the reaction that her last two opponents got and everyone, you know, in the build up to the fight, everyone's saying that they were going to get killed. She's so, you know, they're trash. Uh, no one can compete with Valentina. And seeing that, and it's like, you know, I know that, but it's, I was eager to see how I would feel in that situation because I've never, I've had some fights where I was maybe like on the betting odds an underdog, but very close, you know, like a slight underdog. But this will, this will be my first fight where I'm, you know, really like a, like a true underdog and I was wondering how I guess you know as the build-up of the fight came if that would affect me but it, it honestly hasn't affected me if anything it's less pressure on me than than before it's harder when you're expected to win you know when people tell you like you know I've had fights where they're like oh you're so much better than her I'm like uh well she's still really good like you know what I mean I feel like that got me a little bit more nervous than being an underdog because it's like no, I know what I'm capable of, and no one expects anything from me. But I don't, so I don't even have to worry about that. So, so let's talk about what you're capable of. You know, you're, you're fighting Valentina Shevchenko here, and like I said, a lot of people writing you off, and as they have a lot of her challengers. Why, why are you the one to dethrone her here? Um, I mean, a lot of her challengers, like at you know, first of all, everyone's like, oh, she's this like deadly killer, like head kick knockouts, you know, like. I mean, that was her. I think everyone kind of looks at her fight with um, with Jessica I. And but if you look at her other fights, you know, most of them are decisions. And you know, a lot of my fights were decisions too. Um, and you know, people think of sometimes criticize me and say I'm a boring fighter. And I'm like, well, if before she had that head kick knockout, everyone, you know, 
all Valentina's fights were decisions. So, you know, I think the one before was, I don't even know the girl's name, but, you know, it was her UFC debut. I, like, never fought anyone that was a debuter in the UFC. Oh, you know what I mean? It was like, you know, I, I think that everyone kind of sees the highlight reel, and she definitely is very, very good, and there's a reason why she's the champion. But um, I think that some of the other opponents kind of bought into that hype a little bit too much and then, you know, gave her more respect than what they should have. And you feel like you're not giving her too much respect. You you feel like in your preparation, you're looking at her as a more realistic, real human being opponent? Exactly. I mean, I don't want to say that I'm not respecting her as, you know, that I'm not focusing on what she can, is capable of. Like I said, she's, you know, is definitely the best uh, fighter that I've ever faced. Um, but with that being said, you know, I train with some of the best people in the world. And if I haven't seen it in a fight... Um, I see it, you know, on a daily basis in training, you know, she definitely doesn't have better jujitsu or wrestling than the people that I train with and striking. I, you know, I go with, I box with world champion boxers all the time. I, um, you know, spar with other guys that are in the UFC and, you know, I definitely respect what she can is capable of doing, but she is just a fighter. You know, I mean, you see upsets happen all the time. It's not uncommon in, in this sport at all. Absolutely. Now, now, you mentioned in there, too, that you're not overlooking her. You're not looking past her. But she's done a couple of interviews recently where she said she's thinking about the trilogy fight with Amanda Nunes already. Do you feel like she's overlooking you at all when this fight comes to play? Um, I would say, you know, if it was anyone else, then yes. But, you know, one thing that I, one thing that I think Valentina is very good at is being uh, focused and, uh, you know, a true martial artist. I think she takes uh, her job very seriously. You know, she's not worried about like the fame and the other, and all the other stuff. She's a true, like, you know, true martial artist and really enjoys training. And, you know, to say that she's overlooking me, I think would be a little silly. I think she's very focused on this. I think a lot of, if she's talking about the trilogy, it's probably because every interview, that's all they ask her, you know? So, um, but yeah, you know, whether, you know, she might not say that she's worried about me, but, you know, I know she's a very prepared champion and, and has definitely, you know, done her research and is focused and has trained hard to fight against me. Now, now I know you're not much of a trash talker and you're a very respectful opponent when it comes to it, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, how do you see this fight playing out? If, if this goes all according to plan, how do you see the end of this fight? Um, I definitely see myself winning. I mean, I never for one second see myself losing, uh, you know, whether that's a decision, a TKO or a submission, um, you know, I see myself winning wherever it is, whether it's stand up or whether, you know, I take her down, she takes me down, we go to the ground, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable in all three areas of the fight. So wherever it goes, you know, I'm prepared, you know, I'm not just prepared for one aspect of it. I'm prepared for everything. So I definitely see myself winning. That makes a lot of sense to me. Now, before I let you go, I did want to get your take on something that the UFC recently did. So just this morning, uh, this is being taped on Tuesday for those of you who are listening. The UFC added a women-specific pound-for-pound list on their rankings list. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the concept of separating the men and women in the pound-for-pound list and, and what exactly you thought of that. Um, Actually, that's the first time I've heard it. I think it's I don't know. I, I don't get like offended by like the guys and girls thing. I think it's kind of cool because, you know, 
it is kind of hard to compare, you know, for me, I want to know, I want to compare my, I, when I compare myself to fighters, I compare them to the girls. Just, that's just me personally. Um, you know, I think if you can give the girls a little bit more attention and stuff, I think that's a good thing. Uh, as long as they, I would think it would be cool if they have that separate, but still also do the combined one as well. Interesting take. Now, I do want to mention, too, to you, because if, if this is the first time you heard it, uh, this would also be the first time you heard that you personally right now are currently ranked the number 10 pound-for-pound woman in the world. Uh, what are your thoughts on being the number 10 pound-for-pound woman in the world? Do you think that's just about right, higher, lower? Um, I think that's good. I'd have to take a look at the list. <laughs> I think I, 10, I'll, I'll, I'm fine with 10 right now, um, you know, just to say you're in the top 10. That's, that's pretty cool, um, but I would hope by, like, this time in two weeks that, you know, I, I think I'll move up significantly. If I, you know, after I get a win over Valentina, I would imagine she's pretty high up there. So, you know, I, hopefully I can take her spot there. Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense to me. Well, Caitlin, we want to thank you so much for the time. Once again, fans, this was Caitlin Chokagian who fights Valentina Shevchenko for the flyweight title at UFC 247 on February 8th. Caitlin, thanks so much for the time again. Thank you. This is Daniel Gumpy Vreeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Miles Johns, who fights Mario Batista at UFC 247 this upcoming weekend. So, Miles, I wanted to start by asking you a couple of questions about your gym. Fortis MMA absolutely blew up over the last year, maybe year and a half. I talked to Jeff Neal at the beginning of last year, and he said that your coach, Save Saud, said that if you didn't have a number next to your name by the end of the year, he said this to all the people in the gym, that you failed. Now, obviously, some of you guys weren't in the UFC yet. Some people succeeded in getting those numbers next to their name. Did he have similar words of wisdom for people at the beginning of 2020? He did. Um, you know, and it's it's all relevant and based on where you are. Like, the guys that were in the UFC – Jeff, I think at that point he was on a two-fight win streak. So his um, his next goal was obviously to get a number beside his name. Mine at that point, I wasn't even in the UFC yet. So he's like, you should win the contender series. You should be in the UFC and you should get your first UFC win. So it was pretty much all based on everybody on where they're at. Some guys, I mean, some people's in the gym's goal is just to get their first fight or to win the LFA belt, whatever it may be. So um, we're always just setting those small goals, keeping our head down and just working until we reach them. And eventually now um, we got guys with numbers by their names, uh, guys on four or five fight win streak. So um, their goal is obviously to fight for the belt and bring a belt home. And um, other people like my goal by the end of 2020 is definitely to have a number by my name. So um, everybody just is um, has their own place and their own goal that they're trying to reach. And we're all working hard together and trying to reach them together. And obviously it's a really stacked division that you find yourself in here. You know, there's lots of, of contenders, lots of people on long win streaks. What do you feel that you have to do in 2020 in order to make sure that that goal becomes a reality? I mean, I just have to be fighting my fights. Honestly, it is a stacked division. There's a lot of killers in the Bantamweight division as there is in uh, many other divisions in the UFC. But I know that when I fight my fight and I do what I know how to do, then, um, I'm a top five bantamweight in the world, you know, and I'll be a champion here in the next couple of years. So I just got to stay focused, keep working hard and go out there and stay calm and just fight how I know how to fight. And you mentioned fighting your fight. I want to talk about your first bout in the UFC because you did win that bout, but it was a little bit closer than pretty much any of your bouts before. You took a split decision win over Cole Smith. 
what were sort of your thoughts on that fight and how you performed in it? You know, I still feel pretty young in this game, and, like, I'm still finding myself as a fighter. Um, in the contender fight, I had some things that I went through, and I felt like I was just a little bit overzealous in that fight. You know, I was trying to get him out of there a little bit too much and kind of got a little bit wild with some of my punches in that. So this, the my debut, the whole mission was pretty much just to stay relaxed, stay composed, you know, um, and just keep your head in there. And I think I was almost just a little bit too relaxed. You know, I could have... I could have put the foot on the gas a little bit more and I didn't have enough urgency. So like it was, it was a very close fight. It was a split decision win, but I never felt in danger at all in between the second and third round. Um, my coach and I were just in the corner talking extremely, extremely laid back. I'm like, Hey, this fight's flying by. Like I gotta get going. He's like, yeah, you gotta get going. Like we need this third round. Let's go. Let's, uh, it, it was just, um, it was a different fight than I've been in, you know? So it's really just for me finding that balance of, going out there and using my power and using my speed and going and trying to take people out while also not getting wild and not getting um, overzealous and just um, keeping my head. So I'm finding that balance. And I think the last fight was a great experience to really hone in on that. And I'm ready to, I'm ready to show what I've learned here in a couple of days. So, so I got to backtrack you there just a second, because I think by now, most people have heard save Saad in the corner of a lot of fighters. They've heard his, his in-between yeah. rounds speak, and it's some of our favorite. Did you just say he was relaxed in between a round? Because I'm not sure I believe that. I know. that's the, That was the thing about it. I think he he's very good at reading the greens. You know, like people say, like, he just yells and does this and that. He only does that if he has to. You know, he's going to give us everything he has inside of him to pull out what he needs us to pull out from inside of us. And I think he just saw my demeanor. He felt my demeanor when he came to the corner. The first thing I said was, Coach, this fight's flying by. I got to get going. He saw how relaxed I was. He saw the look on my face. So he stayed relaxed, too. He's like, yeah, you do. You know, we need to go out there. We need to start throwing our hands, letting our hands go. Forget about his wrestling, this and that. You know, it was kind of a curveball that he went and tried to wrestle us and hold us against the cage the whole time. I was definitely expecting him to use his kicks and try to keep me away in that. Um so that was experience too, but yeah, I think he he's just really good at reading the greens and really good at knowing what he needs to do for each fighter. So I think he felt that, and we were both just relaxed, like let's go, let's do it, let's turn it on, and that's what we did, and we stole the fight. Absolutely. Now I want to talk about this upcoming fight with Mario Batista because obviously, like you said, you're you're trying to change that mentality of being a little bit too relaxed, of being a, a little bit laid back, and actually going out there and trying to take him out. What, what have you been doing in order to help change that mentality to make sure that you come out that way? I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of going back to some of the things I used to do. Like, I, I mean, that was, I used to just be foot on the gas the whole time. And then, you know, I felt like I needed to hone it back a little bit. And now it's finding the balance. I need to kick it up a little bit. So we're, we're finding that balance. That's more of a mental thing. As far as training for Mario, we're just, uh, we changed some things up and we're evolving every day in our game. But at the same time, I'm a, stick into what I know how to do best. And I, I believe that if I go out there and I fight my best and I fight the fight I'm supposed to fight, I'll come out victorious. And, and sort of what are your thoughts on him as an opponent? Because like you said, he's a tough guy. But like looking back at his two fights, they are two very different performances. One where he got taken out pretty quickly. One where he looked pretty damn good the whole time. What are your thoughts on looking at him as a potential opponent? I think he's a good fighter. I think he's a really good fighter. I think he's really well-rounded. He's uh, pretty much good everywhere, but um, I see holes in his game. I think his biggest attribute is just his sheer toughness. 
you know, he's going to go out there and he's going to try to take you out until he does or until the fight's over. You know, he's not, he doesn't stop for anything. He has a great chin. So, um, but that's why I love this fight. Um, that's, um, I think I need a fight like that. You know, I want somebody to come after me like that. So I think, like I said, his biggest attribute is his toughness. Everywhere else, I think I have the edge on him, and uh, we'll just see what happens come Saturday night. Absolutely. Now, I do want to ask you one quick question before I let you go about fighting in Houston. Obviously, it's a home state matchup for you, training out of Texas yourself. And in addition to that, you got some teammates on the card with you, too. Is it nice being so close to home when it comes time for this fight? I mean, with your last fight being so far away, or is there like that additional pressure, additional things you worry about? Um, you know, like what what is sort of your preference as far as this goes? Oh man, it's so nice being so close to home. Um, my brother was able to drive my car down here with bags and all of our equipment and everything we need. Um, my meal company, Fit Mills Prep, was able to send me with frozen meals that he drove with also in the cooler. Like it's it's nice. It's like. We're fighting in our own backyard, you know, in Canada. It was a great experience. It's kind of what I expected for my UFC debut because it seemed like in um, back in the day, all my teammates who went always had to go to, like, Brazil or some far-off place for the debut against a hometown person, and that's what I did. And, you know, I've always thought that's what it would be, but it feels great to be close to home and be able to have everything I need and know the grocery stores and everything like that. It's just been um, a lot easier, so I'm really excited. And hopefully, you know, Hopefully I'll get to stay close in the future as well. Absolutely, and we're excited for the fight as well. Once again, this is Miles Jones who fights Mario Batista at UFC 247 this upcoming Saturday. Miles, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. And those interviews with Caitlin Chokagian and Miles Johns are brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. It does not matter what martial art you train out there because Maroon has got you covered with over 35 different martial arts. So whether you train judo, sambo, kickboxing, boxing, jujitsu, it doesn't matter. They are going to help you reach that next level. Let me tell you a little bit about how they're going to do that. They're going to help you reach the next level by helping you log your training sessions with both notes and with reminders of how much you're training week to week and month to month so that you can make sure that you're making the progress towards those goals and that you're remembering any of the progress you've made in the past. It is truly amazing and they've got more features rolling out all the time. They've got stuff for seminars, weigh-ins, they've got stuff for competitions, they've got all kinds of stuff in there so you're going to want to make sure to check them out. That's Maroon Social. Now once again, I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, I got to say, I love Caitlin Chokagian's mentality going into the biggest fight of her life. What do you think of it? You know, I think she's on to something. I think that mindset and approach is exactly what you need to bring to the table when you're facing someone like a Shevchenko, who at this point, at least in the fledgling 125-pound female division, is, you know, kind of like the, the standard bearer at this point and has looked like a killer very recently and uh that's that's the mentality you need to bring when you're facing someone like a Shevchenko who's sort of right now looming large over that division yeah and I think there's a lot to be said of that concept of being afraid of her too because I mean like you know a lot of people criticize Liz Carmouche for the that bout and you know a lot of people criticize Valentina Shevchenko for that bout but like the bottom line of that bout is that 
Carmouche didn't sell out at any point in time to go get Shevchenko. And, and it sounds like from Chokagi and talking about this, like we get to a fourth round here where it looks like she's going to need to finish. I think you're going to see her sell out for that win. And, and I think that might be, you know, a huge difference here. Well, you want to talk about fighting a dominant champion and the mentality you need to bring. It segues perfectly into the main event of UFC 247 this weekend. And we're, of course, breaking it all down in our favorite segment on the show, fights, dogs, parlays. We're going to give you a couple of live dogs you might want to bet on, a couple of parlays you might want to play, and we're breaking down a couple of fights that we feel pretty bullish on when it comes to the gambling aspects of things. But Gumby, before we get to fights, dogs, parlays for UFC 247, one may wonder if any company sponsors fights, dogs, and parlays this week. Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Battle Clan. Go to BattleClanGear.com and make sure you use promo code TURTLEUP10 for 10% off your whole order. And they've got casual gear for the fight fan as well as gear if you train yourself. So make sure to check it all out at BattleClanGear.com. It's a mouthful. And now I just want to be sure when you said it, it's Turtle Up 10. Not just Turtle 10, but Turtle Up, like Power Ranger Up. Absolutely. All right, I like it. Turtle up 10 at Battle Clan. Uh, let's get on with the main event because it's what everyone's talking about. John Jones, you've probably heard about him. He's on a 17,000 fight win streak. Don't believe anything in his record that says he was uh, DQ'd or lost for illegal elbows or no contest because he popped for something or another or snorted something or hit someone with a car. The man has never been beat and he is a minus 445 favorite for a reason, but friend of the show upcomer Dominic Reyes, who is undefeated in MMA at 12 and 0 with seven wins by knockout two by submission and maybe even more importantly, uh, undefeated in the UFC, and that's six fights with wins over Jared Cannonier, Ovin St. Preux, Volkan Ozdemir, and coming off a big KO of former middleweight champ Chris Weidman, biggest name on the list. But again, 6-0 in the UFC, facing Jones in Houston, the site of Houston we have a problem. Matt Serra just beat GSP in the year 2007. Gumby, will we have a repeat this weekend? Can we have a huge upset over a GOAT? Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to pick against John Jones. And, and the reason is, is because John Jones has established himself as one of, if not the greatest fighter of all time. And, and to come on here and to pick against him to me is just crazy. You know, like I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. If we're talking outside of odds to ever pick against John Jones, and to me, the fight that sticks out that makes me not want to pick Dominic Reyes is that fight that you mentioned with Volkan Ozdemir. That, that fight was very close. Some people even scored it for Volkan Ozdemir. Look, Volkan Ozdemir's stand-up versus John Jones' stand-up, it, it's not even close, right? Like, it's crazy to even use those two uh, in the same sentence. So for that reason, I, I'm all over John Jones. I know that Reyes is probably one of the more athletic opponents he's fought. He's definitely one of the quicker ones. He's got crazy KO power, as a lot of people do at 205. I'm just not picking against him. But that being said, you know, if we're starting to look at uh, the odds here, plus 355 is not a necessarily all that tempting for me in a straight-up bet, nor is, is John Jones' negative 445. But I might look, if I was looking to bet and looking to make some extra money, uh, I, I might throw something down on, like, Dominic Reyes by knockout because there is that chance that he catches him, especially at light heavyweight. Uh, but that being said, if I have to pick the fight straight up, I'm taking John Jones. 
Well, I, I'm with you. We couldn't in good consciousness uh, say that you should go out and pick Dominic Reyes. You don't bet against someone like a John Jones really until you see them lose. It's it's a, a fool's errand, as they might say, a fool's errand to try to pick against them until you actually see him lose. But, but he hasn't looked his outright self against Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos's two decision wins of 2019. Obviously, aging, which is why I think the UFC and the marketing machine is playing up the fact that Reyes is, uh, while not a spring chicken by any stretch of the imagination, he is not. He does not have a lot of fight mileage on him, and he is super athletic. So let me just ask you this though: the path to victory. If we wake up on Sunday morning and Reyes is the champion, he did it how? Uh, I'm saying he probably did it by. First of all, neutralizing the legs of John Jones to start. Um, we, we know he has powerful kicks, right? That's what got him to the UFC is that big, powerful head kick. Uh, I think probably neutralizing his legs to start and slowing John Jones down a little bit. Um, and, and then somewhere in the late second, early third round, before it gets too, too deep, because I actually think John Jones does a great job in the fourth and fifth round. But like before it gets too, too deep, deep and you know he's banged up a little bit I, I would see Dominic Reyes knocking him out somewhere in there probably with with the hands not not necessarily exactly like he did Chris Weidman but I, I could see him landing a bomb after slowing John Jones down a little bit I, I would say that's his major path to victory and, and I would also say making sure that Jones does not bully him or press him up against the cage or utilize uh, you know, that that very good MMA style of wrestling that we've seen Jones employ, even to the point of out-wrestling a Daniel Cormier um, in an MMA fight. Uh, so that is where I would need to see him stuff a couple of uh, Jones's, you know, for, particularly he's, he could be sneaky, he's creative, he's flashy when it comes to his fight style and especially uh, even his takedown game. So that's what I would want to see in that first or second round him neutralize that. Uh, this would have to be a largely stand-up affair, I think, for Reyes to win. Um, but, you know, I, I, like I said, we'd be silly to pick against Jones until we see him lose. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we have another massive favorite, this time an even bigger favorite. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko is in a minus 1135 favorite, taking on our guest this week. Caitlin Chukagian, uh, we will try to be unbiased as we break down the fight, even though she came on our show, at plus 725. This harkens back to odds such as, uh, I mean, I think Henan Burrell was somewhere in a minus 1,200 or minus 1,400 when he lost to TJ Dillashaw. Um, was Holly home? Was oh, she was Holly less than Holly home that. was not... No, she was less than that. Yeah, she was Mostly just because, like, she was a big deal outside of MMA, too. I, I think that's probably what brought her down. Uh, so, with that being said, do we have a TJ Dillashaw, Henan Burrell situation on our hands here? Look, you said we're going to come into this unbiased to talk about this fight. And, and the thing that really worries me about this fight for our yes, Caitlin, Caitlin Jokagian, is that Valentina Shevchenko's wrestling is surprisingly good. And I think people forget about it because it's so good. Um, because, like, if you look back at her fights, you know, she she landed a takedown against Liz Carmouche, who's notoriously a good wrestler. She got two against Jessica I before knocking her silly. She got five against Joanna Janjacek, who is notoriously not an easy person to take down. 
Um, you know, and, and you can go back to, to pretty much all of her fights except for the ones with Amanda Nunes and she's taking her opponents down. That worries me about this fight with Chokagian. But that being said, at plus 725 for Caitlin Chokagian, I'm biting on those odds all day because, first of all, those are astronomical odds. And she has far better odds of winning this fight than that. And I would tell you that the path to victory for her is very simple, right? Like, everybody is pegging Valentina Shevchenko as this big finisher. Who is she finished in the UFC, right? Like, she knocked out Jessica I, which is a, you know, that's a nice knockout, right? Jessica I is a, a highly ranked opponent. But apart from that, most of her her fights go to decision, right? Like, she's got a decision over Joanna Janjacek. She's got a decision over Liz Carmouche. She's got a decision, or no, she got an armbow over Juliana Pena. Decision over Holly Holm. Decision over Sarah Kaufman, which was a split decision. Decision losses to Amanda Nunes. Sure, she th- finished Priscilla Cachoeira. But, like, I'm not impressed by her finishing ability, which means that what Chokagian has to do here is one of the things she does best, volume striking. Right, like she has to do enough on her feet to make sure that the judges see rounds her way. And if you look at the difference in the strikes landed per minute between the two fighters, Valentina Shevchenko lands just barely three fight or three punches a minute or three strikes a minute. And if you look at Caitlin Chokagian, she is averaging almost four and a half. That's 150% of the strikes that that uh, Valentina Shevchenko lands. So with that being said, knowing that she throws volume, knowing, and they're not meant to be knockout blows all the time, I actually think plus 725 is a laughable odd set here for Caitlin Chokagian, and one that I think a lot of us should bite on. Okay, I like it. I can't disagree with anything that you laid out there. I can't wait to talk about this next fight, because I think it's a very important one, or interesting one, I guess I should say, uh, at 145. Mursad Bektik, at one point, uh, was, I think, thought of as a potential future title type guy. He came into the UFC and finished four, or excuse me, won four fights, finishing Russell Doan with a rear naked choke, uh, knocking out Lucas Martins, TKO, and he just looked like a killer. And then he lost to Darren Elkins in that crazy come-from-behind victory. Uh, came back, knocked out uh, Godfredo Pepe, uh, split decision win over Ricardo Lamas. And now, uh, this past summer, he lost via TKO to Josh Emmett. So he's coming off a loss, and he's going to be fighting Dan Ige, who almost feels like he's in a similar position to where Bektik was, let's say, three or four years ago before the Elkins fight. Uh Dan Ige is uh, four and one in the UFC, plus a win on Dana White Contender Series. So I guess technically you could say he's five and one. He's coming off a unanimous decision win over Kevin Aguilar. Uh, he's from Hawaii. He's 28 years old, and the odds on this are, you know, somewhat tight. Bektik, a minus 145 favorite. And uh, Dan Aj is a plus 125 dog, so very slight. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm going to take Mirzat Bechtik in this because the, the main reason here is my worry about Ige's takedowns defense and Ige's takedowns, right? Like, if, if you look at Ige's fights, you know, like, he's got takedowns in all five of his fights in the UFC. At least one takedown in all five of the fights in the UFC. Mirzat Bechtik has a 100% takedown defense in the UFC so far. And that includes bouts with people like Darren Elkins, who is a phenomenal wrestler. It includes a bout with Ricardo Lamas, who is a tough wrestler. And it includes a bout with Chaz Skelly, who is a good wrestler. So, like, when you include all of those things and the fact that he has never been taken down, and he takes people down at an alarming rate, right? Like, he took Elkins down himself 
four times and beat the living piss out of him. So knowing that, I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, what's Ige's path to victory here? And and I think the only rightful answer at Ige's path to victory is right. you have to assume that maybe Betchtick's chin is not so great, being knocked out by Elkins and being knocked out by Josh Emmett. When was the last time we saw like a pure knockout from Ige? I don't think you've ever seen it. He's got three TKO victories in his whole life. One is ground and pound. One is a doctor stoppage. And the other one is ground and pound. So like knowing that fact, knowing those things about Ige, I just don't see him getting Bektik down. And I just don't see him being able to finish it. Bektik is relentless. He's got great wrestling. And I'm taking the favorite here. All right. Our dog of the week, Antonio Arroyo, plus 125 dog. Going in to face the favorite, uh, Trevin Giles. Why? Yeah, yeah I, I actually, you know, I had a tough time coming up with dogs in this one because there's just not a lot in here. But but for me, the reason I like Arroyo here is because, first of all, he swings pretty wildly. He's got big KO power. He's looked really good in some of his fights. But in addition to that, he's able to swing wildly because his reaction to people taking him down is to use some really good takedown defense and some pretty solid submission skills, right? Like he's got tons of submissions on his record. He's got a pair of arm triangle chokes. He's got some rear naked chokes. He's got an excellent submission game once he is on the ground. And we're looking at Trevin Giles, a guy who's coming off back-to-back losses by guillotine, and they're back-to-back losses by guillotine because he's choosing to grapple these people, right? Like it's not like they forced him into grappling exchanges. So if he stands up and trades with Arroyo, I don't like his chances. And if he gets desperate and shoots a takedown, well, we've seen how that's worked two fights in a row. So I like Arroyo here as a slight underdog. Well, Miles Johns is a slight favorite at minus 125, and Austin Lingo, a more solid favorite at minus 240. Play them together in a parlay, though, Miles Johns and Austin Lingo, and you're going to get back plus 155 odds on your return. Why do you like playing these two guys together? Well, I think the the first reason is obvious, right? They're both Fortis MMA guys, and right now you don't bet against the Fortis MMA guy when they're on the card. Um, but the second reason is, you know, we talked to Miles Johns today. The guy is in a much better mental space, as, you know, like we talked to Chokagian as well. He looks like he is absolutely ready to tear uh, Mario Batista apart. And Mario Batista has some noted problems with wrestling, which is really what Miles John does well. You know, he had that trouble with Corey Sanhagen where he got armbarred pretty quickly. So, you know, I, I like Miles Johns to pretty much dominate this fight wherever he wants. Austin Lingo, I, I like him in this fight just because of his KO power. There's a reason why he's a debuting fighter betting off at negative 240. He's got absolute dynamite in his hands, especially for his weight. And I think if you pair these two together, getting plus money on this is just about crazy. Well, I'll tell you, you're going to want to pair our Twitter feed together with your live watch of UFC 247 this weekend. We will be tweeting during the show. Come, join us, and let us know uh, if you liked Fight Dogs and Parlays this week, if you liked our picks, if you hated our picks. Uh, go on over to our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA, and give us a holler and let us know if we did you dirty or if we did you right this weekend with our predictions. Uh, Gumby, that wraps it up for Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Why don't you do a little house cleaning and take us home here? And, well, of course, that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We could not do what we do without you guys. We also want to thank Flow Combat for having us on. Once again, they are the mothership, and they help us get to your ears each and every week. We want to thank our sponsors, Maroon Social. Make sure to check them out wherever it is you download apps. 
and BattleClan. You can go to BattleClanGear.com and use promo code TURTLEUP10 for 10% off. We also want to remind you to check out our Twitter because we've got a giveaway going on right now. Check it out at TopTurtleMMA. And I'm Daniel Gubby-Freeman. He's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will see you next week.